What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is time for everyone's favorite Monday football tradition Beyond the box score, of course. Welcome to the show, everybody, here on this Monday afternoon. Adam Azer, Dan Schneier, and Jacob Gibbs. Simple stats, or no, advanced stats from simple people. Can't even get the tagline right. This is Beyond the Box Score. We'll tell you about the advanced stuff under the hood uh, from week nine, things you you need to know about. Of course, snap shares, but target per route run and... All these things that you never even heard of that you're going to find very interesting here. Plus, our four big topics today, Justin Fields versus Justin Herbert, uh, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, David Montgomery, TJ Hawkinson. They're all part of four big topics. So we welcome you and hope you had an awesome football Sunday and are ready for a little Monday Night Football tonight. It could be a good game. All right, Jacob, welcome back to the show. You are always in a new location, always looking different on video, Uh, but that's okay. We're glad to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. We got to see 78 uh, Patrick Mahomes dropbacks this week, so like, I cannot complain. Chiefs not got a win. Uh, pretty pretty wild week. Pretty fun week. 68 pass attempts, career high. 43 completions, career high. 63 rushing yards, career high. Third most passing yards of his career. 446 for Patrick Mahomes en route to another 30 plus fantasy point game. Oh, Dan Schneier. Uh, yes. Xavier McKinney. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't go on an ATV during the season. Uh, cool. This feels cool. like a very old manny take from you, Adam. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you. Look, he's on vacation. He's on his bye week. It was a guided ATV tour. What do, what do you want these guys to do? Nothing. <laughs> Just sit there and and hang out at home during the bye week. Like, yeah, I, I take, know, a take a walking tour. Take a walking tour. Take a walk. Go in a tour, tour bus. Right. Don't uh, ATV. I don't know. I don't know, man. ATV's a little. Well, I will say this. One thing interesting about that: Xavier McKinney has been the Iron Man for the Giants. Hasn't missed a snap since Week Three of last season. And in his contract, there is a clause about not riding ATVs, specifically Whoa. ATVs. Interesting. So, and that I think it's in a lot of athletes' contracts actually, because yeah. there's been issues with it. So. Maybe that will come back to haunt him. I hope not. I like him. Look, he made a mistake. He's a young kid. Yeah, he's, it's okay. I don't know it's if it's a, a mistake. We're he's disappointing. We're we're disappointed. You know, he's a great, he's a great football player. We want to see. He's a big loss for the Giants. Anyway, we'll tell you yep. about the other injuries. We'll get, update you on Aaron Jones. We'll update you on Romeo Dobbs. He's out four to six weeks. Just updated you on that. Uh, another big injury for the Packers. Actually, David Njoku update. Um, and a lot more. Okay, let's talk about last night's game. Kansas City dominated time of possession. They had the ball for 41 minutes and 28 seconds. Tennessee for 26 minutes and 23 seconds. Chiefs win in overtime, 20 to 17. A little splash of Kadarius Tony, but a lot of Juju and Kelsey and Jacob. Give me your Chiefs takeaways. Uh, we saw one target for Marquez Valdez Scanling on 56 routes run, which is really, really impressive. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm just ready to be done with MVS personally. Like as someone who watches the chiefs um, and also for fantasy is so boring. Like I, I want to get Kadarius Tony out there more. I want to get Scam more out there. 
Um, I, the run game is so ineffective right now. Jarek McKinnon like completely dominated the snap rate um, in the red zone and elsewhere. Um, it, I don't know. Like, is there anyone on the Chiefs that we feel good about other than Kelsey and Juju? That's pretty much it right now, right? Uh, Mahomes, but I, I think, yeah. I think Hardman is look. Yeah, drop MVS. Maybe a stash Tony and see what happens if he gains more playing time. You couldn't have expected him to be good in week one. Um, the running backs are, you know, you hope for a CEH touchdown or something. But what do you guys think about Miko Hardman? This was nine targets was a, a season high. But, of course, we had a career high 68 pass attempts for Mahomes. But I don't know. I mean, he, he, he had a very good game. Six catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. And now that's 12, 13.2. 28 PPR fantasy points in the three games before this. And if I do some quick math, this is 19.9 PPR fantasy points. So Hardman is 56% rostered. Uh, anybody eager to pick him up? I'm definitely going to be eager to pick up Hardman. For me, it comes down to one thing and one thing only. In the red zone, the Chiefs were kind of the creators of this. And now a lot of teams have tried to mimic them, some more successful than others. But we remember like those long drawn out plays where Mahomes is running around and then makes some crazy play in the red zone. But the reality is most of what the chiefs are trying to do and what they do do is quick game in the red zone. And to utilize quick game to its fullest extent, you need a speed type athletic twitch type player like a Tyree kill. And now like a Nicole Hardman, and I feel like they're starting to really realize and utilize what he can be in the red zone for them as just a speed weapon. You use all this pre-snap motion, some post-snap motion, misdirection, misdirection, hit, McCall Hardman right in the flat, get it out of Mahomes' hand and let him do the work with his speed. And so I really like what I've seen from him in the red zone lately. And that to me can carry him to some kind of floor for fantasy moving forward because it's a team that's always in the red zone. So I actually like Hardman a decent amount moving forward. Okay. I mean, certainly I'm dropping MVS for him. Uh, would you guys rather have Darnell Mooney or Miko Hardman? I'd rather have Mooney. It's close. Chicago, yeah, Chicago's offenses look pretty good lately. Um, and Mooney's per route rates have been solid all year. Uh, I would just say on Dan's note on Hardman, he's third um, on the team in targets just behind Juju in the red zone. He's been targeted on 26% of his routes in the red zone, which is the highest on the team. Um, and his average depth of target is only two yards because like so much of it is just like the little touch passes and just like finding quick ways, screens to get him, you know, get the ball in his hands. Um, and they've kind of always liked him in that role when Tyreek was there. That's kind of how they use them. They'd bring him in for those types of plays specifically. So it, it could stick the, the touchdowns. Okay. All right, and I think the Titans are about the easiest team you can analyze. They're a one-man band. <laughs> I, I'll say, you know, I, obviously, I didn't tell anyone to sit Derrick Henry, but I said I, I would have ranked him closer to 10th this week instead of, you know, top five because I thought they'd get blown out, honestly, with Malik Willis. And he had a, you know, pretty underwhelming track record in games that, that the Titans got blown out in. But uh, pleasant surprise that this game was so competitive. Titans defense played really well, and Henry had 17 carries, 115 yards, and two touchdowns. He did not have a catch, um, but hopefully Tannehill can change that if Tannehill comes back next week against the Broncos. <clears throat> all right. Uh, it is uh, all right. news and notes, then stats, then our four big topics. We usually have five big topics. I'm going to shorten it to four big topics, uh, shorten the length of the episode a little bit here. But I want to tell you about Sportsline. Jacob works for Sportsline. Sportsline is mm -hmm. part of our company, and um, there he's got a Sportsline shirt on. Go to sportsline.com. It's it's very affordable. There's a monthly fee, but it's basically not. It's very, very low. And you get great advice. You get fantasy advice, but you get a lot of gambling advice. So if you love gambling, there's really no better way to get an edge. We have just tremendous experts with so much experience that uh, are doing really well and can help you do really well. So go to sportsline.com. Uh, also, go to our merchandise store. You can just Google search cbssports.com, fantasy football, fantasy football today, CBS Sports Store. If you Google that, or as Dan, like you bing that, you know, yeah, ask Jeeves, whatever what? it is. Don't you, what are you trying to say? You're the one who brought up Bing, Adam. You use Jeeves. No one, Don't you use No one in their right mind uses anything but Google. But also, why would Bing ever be the second reference? Has anyone ever used Bing before? I've Yourself used Bing. Yourself included? I've used it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted what to kind see. of desperate state of mind did you have to be into? When it first came out, I wanted to see, you know, how did the search results compare? Did you? Really? Yeah, you were yeah, curious? Sure. I was curious. Very curious. <laughs> anyway, whatever search engine you use, just type in uh, Fantasy Football Today, CBS Sports Store, and use our code, Fantasy Football. Football 20, buy some merchandise, get some FFT gear, pint glasses, uh, hoodies, hats, water bottles, sweat sweatpants, mugs, t-shirts. Use the code FANTASYFOOTBALL20 to get 20% off your purchase. 
I have a link to the CBS Sports Store in the episode description. And I have time codes in the episode description as well to help you out. But the code is FANTASYFOOTBALL20. Get some cool FFT gear. Your news and notes. The Colts fired Frank Reich, and they named their former center, Jeff Saturday, who's an ESPN analyst, as their interim head coach. They have the Raiders next week. And, yeah, do you think this will have any fantasy impact, Dan, the Colts replacing Frank Reich with Jeff Saturday? In the immediate, I actually do, Adam. Do you want to know why? No. This I just, is going, we just they're going it, to go into it this open-ended. game. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what? Relax over there. All right? You're very on the edge of your seat today. Very antsy. Give me a break. Let me, set, let me settle in a little bit. Okay. Deliver my point. My point okay. is being this. For this game coming up this Sunday, the Colts will not have a single person on that staff who has ever called offensive plays in a game. That, to me, is wild to begin with. So we're getting a purely first-time play caller. They have to get the calls in. They have to work through the sheet. They have to make the calls. You know, Basically, you have no time. You just have to reel off, spit off calls. I'm sure some of these guys might have had some experience with similar type things, but as far as calling the offensive plays, they don't have anyone. So bang all those Colts unders for this week. Sit all your Colts players for this week. And I think it's going to be an epic disaster on offense for the Colts for this first game. I wonder if they go back to Matt Ryan and... That would have a fantasy impact because then you'd have. Do you think that Ursay would be willing to do that given the fact that, and I don't want to say this because I don't want to put, you know, I don't want to make an accusation, but it does feel very tanky with what's been going on here. You know, you hire Jeff Saturday. You don't have anyone who's called offensive plays for a game. You bench Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger, who's clearly not an NFL quarterback. So I I just feel like in a lost season, they're almost going to maybe lean into the Ellinger. I have no, I, I'm just saying uh, yeah. if they go back to Matt Ryan, it would have a fantasy impact. It would be good sure. for fantasy. This is not an offense yes. that we want right now. This Sam Ellinger offense, it's no. Okay. Um, be good uh, for Pittman. Sean, yeah, it would be good. Uh, yeah, and it'd be good for the running backs too in PPR. <laughs> Sean McVay said things need to change on offense. And we'll see if they maybe they sign Odell Beckham. Maybe they start throwing to Tyler Higby again, who's once again not running routes, 15 to 20 routes in three straight games. Same things need to change. Let's hope they can make those changes. Aaron Jones has the ankle injury, but he has a good chance to play this upcoming week. He may not miss any time. That would be great. Romeo Dobbs is out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Christian Watson once again being evaluated for a concussion. Packers uh, cornerback Eric Stokes left in the second quarter with ankle and knee injuries, and Rashawn Gary, their linebacker, tore his ACL. He is out for the season. Uh, and they've got a couple of offensive line issues. They, they, they're a very beat-up team going into this Dallas game. P.J. Walker is going to start. Sam Darnold activated. Baker Mayfield played the second half, but P.J. Walker is going to start this Thursday against Atlanta. Set your DVRs if you cannot watch the game. Falcons <laughs> and the Panthers. P.J. Walker. Who would ever Panthers. want to miss this game? <laughs> uh, Deion Jackson left. We don't know about his status. He came back very briefly. David Njoku is hoping to play this week at the Dolphins. Evan Ingram, we'll see. We'll call him day-to-day with a back injury. Uh, talked about Xavier McKinney for the Giants. He's out several weeks with a hand injury. Their next two games are Houston and Detroit, and then they're at Dallas on Thanksgiving. Um, the Bills got a little bit more banged up. Kyer Elam, uh, they're start, uh, starting, well, I don't know if he's a, I think he's a starting cornerback. He's a contributor at the very least. He left in the third quarter. Um, and then Gregory Russo, second-year edge rusher, he left in the first half. He's going to be week to week. That, those are the big ones. Sheldon Rankins for the Jets, defensive tackle. He's out week to week with an elbow injury. Chargers can't afford any more injuries on the offensive line. Trey Pipkins, their left tackle, he left in the fourth quarter. He played most of the game. I don't know what his status is. Atlanta right guard Chris Lindstrom left in the third quarter. Rayshon Jenkins for the Jaguars, safety. He's in the concussion protocol. Tennessee lost Bud Dupree in the third quarter. They could have used him down the stretch for sure. Linebacker Bud Dupree. And Arizona already has the worst run-blocking team in football, according to PFF. Right guard Will Hernandez left in the first quarter. They have had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. (laughs) All right, Dan, you can go first. Give me some stats to know from Week 9. Yeah, I don't want to take too many of the ones that Jacob was uh, gave me a heads-up ahead of time that he wanted to nail. So I'm going to go into kind of a deeper waiver-wire one to start this off. And it's a player that we talked about a lot on Sunday show, Adam, as somebody we thought we should you should maybe start um, if you're a desperate receiver. And that's Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver at the Panthers. I know a lot of the production came in 
garbage time, but PJ Walker will start again. And I think that's a good thing for the offense in general. What really stands out to me is that he's starting to get some third and fourth down targets. I believe he was up to 30% total combined third and fourth down targets and 60% of the end zone targets this week for the Panthers went to Terrace Marshall. And that's something we saw go up. You know, that's, and it, the air yards have kind of been there for him, but we're now starting to see those key money downs, the third downs and the red zone. And that's what we want to see moving forward. So I kind of like him as a fringe flex play, someone you should definitely stash on your bench. So I'll start with Terrace Marshall, kind of a more highly known player. Obviously, somebody you're looking to buy high on instead of this. He won't be on your waiver wire. But Damian Pierce for the Texans. Obviously, anyone could watch that game against the Eagles on Thursday and talk about the talent. He kind of looks like some people say like a young Marshawn Lynch out there. I don't really see that, but I do see a, a running back who has arguably the best contact balance that's entered the NFL this season over Kenneth Walker, over Brees Hall. They have other things, but contact balance is a trait that goes to Walker. But what stands out to me is the Texans goes finally to Pierce, made, right? I'm sorry. That goes to Pierce contact balance. Yeah, I'm giving it to Pierce. Yeah, yep. you said Walker, but just wanted to. Oh, sorry. Yep. I'm going to give it to Pierce. And what stands out to me from a fantasy standpoint, though, is they finally made the commitment to Texans to use him in their two-minute no-huddle offense. And that's so important moving forward for fantasy because it's going to give him so many more opportunities to get those 27-touch type games. And I know Lovey Smith talked about how he was so excited to get him that amount of volume in this game, but it was a game where he didn't even score, and yet he still put up a good floor because he's now playing in these two-minute drills. He played in 100% of the two-minute no-huddle snaps for the Texans, so that was really what stood out to me in this mm. game. He's somebody now, if he's going to be on the field for that level of snaps we're talking in the Barkley tier we're talking in the you know the rare McCaffrey maybe tier the tier of just running backs who don't come off the field that's very few these days few and far in between so if he can reach that tier I think it puts him into the locked in RB1 range and he's somebody I'd like to trade for right now and that's why we do this because just on paper he had no targets against the Eagles yep Mm -hmm. and that's uh, I didn't realize that he had played that role so that's a great stat on Damian Pierce all right Jacob what do you got yeah, that's really good stuff on Pierce, and I think maybe it goes a little bit overlooked because it was on Thursday. Um, yeah. So I'll start with Rondell Moore, who I brought up quite a bit on the podcast, but he's just, when he's in the slot role, he's really going to be productive for fantasy, any type of PPR league. Um, so we've seen him play primarily in the slot in four of six games, and in those games, he has a 24% target share. He has at least eight targets and has double-digit PPR points every single game, 70 receiving yards per game. Um, and he's averaging almost 16 PPR points, and that's with just one touchdown. Um, this week, he was targeted on 56% of Arizona's first downs, which is another thing that I bring up quite a bit. So first downs are worth 20%. First down targets are worth 20% more PBR points than targets that come on any other down. And it just is an indication the team is you know, trying to be intentional about getting the ball into a player's hands. And so that's pretty exciting because we've seen DeAndre Hopkins pretty much dominating those looks since he came back. But um, I think everything we've seen from Rondell is, is – positive and um even if marquise brown is back i think they've run enough uh through receiver sets that he's still going to be pretty um pretty productive for fantasy from the slot there they're always trailing and they're always in these three receiver sets um i also i want to talk about amonra st brown i think amonra st brown might be one of the better buy lows um for for fantasy if you're trying to make trades heading into the playoffs or just uh for dfs purposes i think he's somebody to continue to target um over the past calendar year, he has the highest target per run rate in the NFL above Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, AJ Brown. Um, it's at 31% over the past calendar year, and it's at 32% this year. Um, and since he's been back, he hasn't put up any big totals yet, which is why I think he might be a good by low candidate. Um, but the volume is absolutely there. He had a he had a 38% target share and an 84% air yardage share this week. Um, 50% of Detroit's first down targets went to a monorate this week. And, you know, we've got T.J. Hawkinson out of the equation now. And in 233 career routes with T.J. Hawkinson off of the field, Amonra has a 35% target share and a 41% area yardage share. So I think, like, these are really elite rates. And Detroit is, their defense is so bad that they're going to be passing a lot in these games. I think he's a potential top five, top eight fantasy receiver. And, like, where do you think his perceived value is right now? It's not that high, right? No, it's really not. I would say more like 15th. Yeah. Something like that. You know, I would, you know, you could try to trade a DK Metcalf for him. I would do that. I, we had an interesting discussion, Alan Lazard versus versus Christian Kirk. And I think we talked about St. Brown in that same breath on last night's show. But 
You know, uh, I'm very enthused about both Lazard and Christian Kirk. Kirk has amazing matchups coming up. I'm, we're calling him a buy high right now. He's just been a matchup dependent guy. He's had some really tough ones and he struggled. And um, but but coming up, he's got four straight games. Christian Kirk against teams that rank 25th or worse against wide receivers. Three of those four games against teams that are uh, bottom 10 and you know or top. I guess they've allowed the 10th most. Uh, yards to slot wide receivers. They're in the top 10 in that category. So so that's looking great for Kirk. Lazard is completely dominating for the Packers. He is the clear-cut number one. Now Dobbs is out four to six weeks. But Armando St. Brown, I don't know. Would you take him over those two guys? Let's let's try to rank those three. Lazard, Kirk, and Amonra St. Brown. I guess I will go first, and I will go Lazard, St. Brown, Kirk. Dan. St. Brown, for sure, the wide receiver one. He was a player I was going to bring up, but I saw Jacob wanted to hit him. I'm all in on this by high. I'm following the volume. I'll go Kirk, too. Um, so Lazard, three. I, I like Kirk's volume as well. Lazard, to me, would I still, I'm still not sold on Lazard for whatever reason. I don't know why. No, get, just get on board. I should. Uh, hey, no- I, I would order them the same way as Dan. Um, I think what we've seen from Lazard has been really encouraging, but I just I think the ceiling is pretty limited by the offensive environment. Yeah. Even when Green Bay's offense is like operating as they want to, they're still going to play really slow um, and just be a pretty low volume offense. Um, so I would clearly take the other two over him. And yeah, Amonra, like I, I really think he could be top eight receiver the rest of the season. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and so he's definitely one of the top buys. Um, the other two guys I have are running backs. Are you ready to move on to them? Yeah, sure. So Jeff Wilson, um, I think everybody knows like at this point that he played more than Raheem Mostert, and that was really exciting. Yeah, targeted Raheem Mostert. When I would have, what I wanted to bring up was that he completely dominated the work in the red zone. Uh, he saw 73% of the red zone snaps, 80% of the snaps from inside the 10 um, in his first game of the team in an explosive offense. Like even if the split doesn't widen and he doesn't continue to take away more um, work outside of the red zone, just if he has this role in this offense, like he's going to be viable for fantasy and there's the potential for much more if he's able to overtake Mostert and, you know, earn more of the type of role that Mostert was playing before. Um, Wilson got there. Like, I, what do you, what do you guys think about Wilson? Like he could legitimately be like a top 20 fantasy running back from this point on. Well, I, I love that take, especially cause we haven't even considered the factor of potential Raheem Mostert injury at some point, then that really yeah. skyrockets him into the conversation. And I think a lot of this, the reason I like this take by you is because I'm really high on the dolphins offense. We can talk about that now if we want to, or and get to that eventually, but when you're on this kind of offense that's high as like you said as high scoring as it has been and i think it will continue to be that gives you so many more of those opportunities and like you said especially when you're getting the red zone touches and you're getting design plays in the red zone as a receiver like we saw this week that's a that's a high valuable role even if he's going to seat some car- carries to mostert and if mostert gets hurt then who knows yeah i i don't know who i like rest of season i mean i guess i'd i'd prefer mostert in the short term it's really confusing. His first game with the Dolphins, he basically has, you know, same amount of touch, very similar amount of touches, and he has one more snap played than Raheem Mostert. So you said he played more snaps, played one more snap. Uh, but that's a pretty big deal for his first game with the team. Right, right. Mostert played more on third down, but as Jacob just outlined, Wilson played more in the red zone. The problem is with one game sizes, sample sizes, that could flip next week. And for it, sure. it wouldn't shock me. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up. I I think they're both flexes right now. I do think that Wilson has a chance to overtake Mostert, and yeah, Mostert always has a chance to get hurt. So if you have a chance to get Jeff Wilson, it's a, in a ten-team league or something like that. It's a no-brainer. And yeah, the offense is ridiculously good. <laughs> um, they have what scored? They've scored twenty, forty-two, twenty-one, sixteen, thirty-one, and thirty-five points in the six healthy games with Tua. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now they're just they're humming. Okay, uh, they're, sorry. They're in ahead. shootouts. They're in shootouts yeah. all the time. Too, they're great for fantasy. Great yeah, for exactly. fantasy. a lot of man and their defense. They're so stands. aggressive. Yeah. Yep. Um, Jacob, another running back. Yeah, last one is Josh Jacobs. Um, he, it's the last two weeks the usage has been down for sure, and I think that's important to point out. Um, I saw in your notes that like he's losing the passing down role that he had when he was just absolutely going nuts the weeks before that. Um, and so like for you know the rest of the season like that is discouraging he moves out of like a high-end rb1 to maybe low-end rb1 territory um but like i just want to point out how good he's been 66 of 67 yards this week came after contact he avoided 12 tackles on 17 rushing attempts um and on the year among 21 running backs with at least 100 attempts jacobs ranks tops 
top three in basically everything. Um, and he's first or second in almost everything. The only one that he's not is rushing EPA per snap, but every other advanced rushing metric that I look at, he's first or second. Um, and just like from a dynasty perspective, I put out dynasty rankings update on sports on last week and Jacobs was somebody I focused on. He looks the best he's ever looked. Um, and he's always been one of the most potent rushers in the NFL, but like this has been his best year and his parade rates as a receiver are really pretty solid. They were that way at Alabama and they have been as a pro. He just like has never had the usage. I think like <laughs> it's possible that like if he finds himself in the right landing spot after this year, if he doesn't stay in Vegas, he could be like a top three, top five fantasy running back. Like the, I think the archetype is there for Jacobs and like no one talks about him that way. People are so negative about Jacobs, especially in dynasty. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to bring him up because like the Raiders have been disgusting lately and he's been disappointing lately, but like Josh Jacobs as a player has been insanely good this year. And he's still young from a dynasty. Yeah, he's super and young. They didn't pick up his option, so he's probably going somewhere else. Right. Yeah, it's just a shame he didn't play a third down snap in week nine. Um, he talked about the usage, and I don't think they're so bad. I mean, obviously, they're not a good team, but I don't think they're a terrible team. They're better than their record. They should be able to stay competitive and, and you know, be able to use him plenty. Should be able to get plenty of work, but I'd like to see him get some catches. That was a big part of what he was doing in that yeah. three-game stretch where he had more than 30 PPR fantasy points. Uh, Josh Jacobs, the last two weeks has been a combined 19.1 PPR fantasy points at the Saints and at Jacksonville. He's probably a buy low, but, um, you know, he's still like, even without the third down snaps, he still had three catches last week. Uh, he still had four targets the week before in a game that got blown out and they sat their starters for the most of the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, he doesn't need the third down snaps to get the catches, but we would love to see those come back, of course. Some snap count things to know about. Uh, DeAndre Swift played only 10 snaps. Dan Campbell just said he didn't have a setback, and they're hoping to get him a little bit more involved. I, I was kind of high on Khalif Raymond. He played 95% of the snaps. He had a terrible game. But he could still be a guy that shows up in a, bio, in a, in a pinch as a number four receiver. Uh, James Conner played 71% of the snaps in his first game back. We'll talk about him a little bit later. David Montgomery crushed Khalil Herbert in snaps, 52-21. to 21. David Montgomery has played 70% or, of, 70% or more of the snaps in four of his last five games. He has 14 to 15 carries in four straight games. He is averaging 3.7 yards per carry on a team that has, according to PFF, they are the second best run blocking team in football. He has a mobile quarterback, which usually helps a running back. David Montgomery has now averaged 3.8 yards per carry or less in three of his four NFL seasons. I am sick and tired of David Montgomery, but apparently the Bears are not. <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson played 16 snaps on third down. He ran 13 routes. The newcomers, Chase Claypool, 35% of the snaps. Naeem Hines played four snaps. TJ Hawkinson played 91% of the snaps. Bradley Chubb for the Dolphins played 73%. Kadarius Toney played only nine snaps. Uh, Dan uh, talked about Terrace Marshall. I thought it was interesting that he had two end zone targets this week after three last week. So that's five in the last two games for Terrace Marshall. End zone targets. Speaking of end zone targets, here are a few players who are dominating for their teams. Stefan Diggs has 10. Alan Lazard has seven. Travis Kelsey has seven end zone targets. None of their teammates have more than two. So when the Bills, Packers, and Chiefs throw to the end zone, it almost always goes to Stefan Diggs, Alan Lazard, and Travis Kelsey. One caveat is I do believe Gabe Davis has drawn two penalties on end zone targets. Um, so he might be more at like four if those plays counted, but whatever. Um, and that's pretty much all I got for that. All right. Those are some advanced stats for you. When we come back, we'll talk about a very, uh, provocative YouTube poll. It's going to get people all fired up Uh oh. and Dan's review of the mixtape <laughs> that I made him and four big topics. We'll be right back on fantasy football today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we are back. And we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on non-football stuff. And then we'll get right back to the football stuff. That's how, you know, that's how we will roll here on Beyond the Box score. All right, first hour YouTube poll. Which TV series is the most overrated? Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, or The Sopranos? Well, most uh, overrated. Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, or The Sopranos. I know. Why, why does he do this to us? We have to Why would you one? put this in, Don? I mean, Tom, you, Tom, first of all, usually you put a fourth option in. So the fact that you only put three options just to make it harder for us. <laughs> That's not appreciated. Now, having said that, I think it has to go to Game of Thrones, right? Because only the plebs will say that the... I don't even know if that's the right word. We'll say that the Sopranos ending was bad. It was actually a very strong ending to a show. And and if you think about it more, you understand it. And if you listen to some of the interviews from David Chase, you'll understand it, the creator of the show. Breaking Bad, obviously that show ended great. But Game of Thrones, man, what a pathetic ending to an unbelievable show. It was tracking to be my second favorite show of all time. Nothing will ever beat The Wire. That's a clear 1-1. But it was tracking to be my second favorite show of all time through six seasons. Then season seven and eight, when they have to go off book, it's just a total epic collapse. And then we find out later, HBO wanted them to do another season, but the show creators wanted it to be done. So they kind of sped it up and rushed it. And so for me, it's Game of Thrones for sure. Jacob, how many of these shows have you seen? I've seen all of them. Oh, wow. I, mean, I haven't seen Adam dunked on. No, I yeah. no, I was just asking. I haven't seen oh, yeah. I haven't seen Sopranos. So I voted for Game of Thrones. I have a lot of issues with Game of Thrones. I thought it was overrated even before season seven and eight. Still wow, very good. Well, you know, here's my issue with Game overrated. of Thrones. It, I, I felt like they spent a really long time on some of the storylines and then sped it up so much. It could have been two seasons shorter. They just wasted a lot of time. Every single time they were in Marine, I just wanted to get up, <laughs> get a glass of water, go to the bathroom, just do anything other than watch the boring-ass <laughs> Marine scenes. Uh, and I just didn't love all the storylines. I only liked maybe like half the storylines. I just... I could have used just just the hound would have been great. I didn't want to waste time with some of the other story. Yeah, not that's an exaggeration. And then I felt like Game of Thrones would sort of resort to gore and nudity. It's like I'm not opposed to or anything like that, but just if you're judging a show, it's like I think things are a little boring right now. Let's like a throw cheap in trick. Yeah, let's throw in some nudity and some violence and just entertain the plebes, as Dan would call us. So, <laughs> no, not calling us or most If we're just that. putting a show under the microscope like that, I felt those were some flaws in Game yeah. of Thrones. So I voted for, for Game of Thrones. And then, of course, yeah, like the episode where they go north of the wall and they get, you know, trapped amongst the White oh, Walkers yeah. and they somehow, you know, send a raven. And uh, light speed, all that stuff six. was crazy. Yeah. That they rescued them with the dragon. It was just it was an epic collapse post season six. But I will say, before season six, it had an insane run from. And I don't know if we're supposed to do spoilers, but you just kind of did some right <laughs> I there. Think so I think you can spoil Game of At this point, you can. I mean, the, the stretch where they had the purple wedding, the red wedding, Joffrey's wedding, the red, the, the obviously the Stark's wedding, like that was just an epic stretch of TV. That was as good as gets. So surprising. If you didn't read the books, no one could kind of see any of that coming, right? Like, well, my brother, them. my brother ruined the red red, uh, red wedding for me. I'll never. That's I've, super. I haven't told him this, but I'll never forgive him for it. I wouldn't forgive him either <laughs> for that because that was one of the most surprising, shocking moments in not TV for me. history. Yeah, no. but not for you unfortunately I, I didn't even know you had a brother until this point but i'm very curious to learn a lot a lot more about him moving forward this is not a good start for him though i'll say Can I ask that a question and how I'm old not, are you dan uh 33 when you were you know in like middle school did okay. you watch um spongebob of course yeah did you watch slime time live like the interstitials no. to spongebob it was on during spongebob they used to slime people it was a live I'm, studio show i clearly didn't watch enough spongebob then no. okay my brother hosted that show what yeah Oh my God! Is he still on TV now? Uh, no, not anymore. Okay, okay. Well, um, I'm very curious to learn more about your brother. Older or younger? He's nine and a half years older than I am. Oh, that's a huge! Wow, massive. age We have guy. a sister in between. Yeah. Okay. Still a massive age gap. All right, Jacob. Any thoughts on TV here? I don't want to get talk about to my unpack family. There, we got to talk about Adam being the youngest. But this is for another episode. <laughs> I'm sorry for being the youngest. Jacob's the youngest. 
I'm the oldest. Uh, he's he, taking a shot there. Clearly, clearly not a youngest kind of guy. And I think it says a lot that we finally learned Adam's the youngest of the family. <laughs> um, anything to add, Jacob? Game of Thrones is clearly the worst of that trio. Um, I don't know, like overrated, because I feel like the other two have to have a higher reputation than Game of Thrones, right? People yeah. were after the ending, yeah. So yeah, um, I don't know, overrated. I I still would probably choose Game of Thrones, but I might. I'll just throw out a hot take. I personally like Better Call Saul more than I like Breaking Bad. Ooh, I like that hot take. I and quit I think on it. I, I regret it. I got to get back into it. Uh, the problem with Better Call Saul is a lot of people say it's boring until they wrap up the brother. Well, where'd you quit? Because I don't want to spoil this. For well, you. I, yeah, no, no spoilers <laughs> right, there. Right, I, right, I, I, I saw that, but uh, that's okay. that was basically the last episode I saw. I didn't because it quit. changes. I didn't that. quit because I was bored. I just didn't. I didn't have a lot of time, and I just you know it, it just it wasn't a priority for me. But it's right, a good let, strong. Let's get it's ba- a good take. Yeah, take let's get back on track. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. Um, we'll do we'll do Dan's music review of the Aerosmith playlist that I made him at the end of the show. The end of the show, the last thing we talk about. Let's get to our four big topics. Conrad from the Evergreen State. I do not know what the Evergreen State is. Evergreen State, that's... Here, let's see. I have horrible guesses every time. Washington. I was going to say Washington. I don't know why. I might have said... You weren't going to say say that. (laughs) Uh, I have Fields and Herbert. Who is better... Justin Fields or Justin Herbert, rest of season. And what would be acceptable if I were to trade one one away? I am thin at receiver. After trading for Jamar Chase, I'm six and three. Um, and who should I try to sell? So, Jacob, if you had both Justins, Justin Fields and Justin Herbert, what would you do? That's tough. Without knowing the rest of the roster, if there's any correlation or anything um, in terms of his receivers, tight ends, I, I, I think that it is totally reasonable that Justin Fields could outscore Herbert from this point on, um, they both have some favorable matchups coming up and the rushing we've seen from fields is unprecedented and they're starting to get him some more designed runs as well. Not just scrambles. Um, I would say if you're going to trade fields, if that's who you end up landing on, I would maybe wait until the next couple of weeks. Cause like he's got Detroit and Atlanta up next. And it really doesn't get much better than that. Um, but after that, he's got the Jets, the Packers, the Eagles, and the Bills before getting the Lions um, in like the fantasy championship. So and a buy, and a buy, and Herbert doesn't yeah. have. I think we should talk about whether or not matchups matter for Justin Fields, though. That's interesting, yeah. You know, because he just shredded the Cowboys two weeks ago. He scored the most points of any quarterback against the Cowboys. Uh, I think the second most of any quarterback against the Patriots three weeks ago. Basically tied with Lamar Jackson for the most points against the Dolphins this past week. He's throwing, you know, it's it's really weird. He's thrown for 151 and 123 yards in his last two games, and he's been, you know, the, he's he's a top quarterback in fantasy over the last five weeks. But I'm sure over the last two weeks, he's also number one. Um, maybe Burrow, I, whatever. Uh, yeah, do matchups matter for him when he's going to rush? It looks like his floor is going to be 50 to 60 yards. And his ceiling is over 100 yards, you know. So that's a big question you have to ask and answer here because after the next two games, the matchups are on paper awful for Justin yeah. Fields. Specifically, those teams play a ton of zone. The Eagles, um, the Packers, and the Bills. Um, and that typically means less rushing um, for quarterbacks. And the matchups that he's had recently have all been very man-heavy defenses, yep. um, which, you know, just... I mean, it, it's kind of intuitive that, you know, they're the defense is not facing you. They're facing away from you more often. And it's a little bit easier to scramble. Um, so that could be something for him in terms of being matchup proof. Okay. That being said, I'm just looking at this right now. The bills allowed 73 rushing yards to Lamar Jackson. The Eagles allowed only 42 rushing yards to Kyler Murray, but that's actually kind of a lot for Kyler. I mean, I guess it's maybe it's kind of normal for Kyler. What was the other team we talked about? Eagles. I'd say I got the Eagles, the Bills, the Packers. The Packers have already faced fields. That was in week two. He had only 20 yards and a rushing touchdown. Daniel Jones had 37 yards. Josh Allen, 49 rushing yards. It's really hard to know. Um, I would rather have fields than Herbert rest of season. I don't know when Keenan Allen is coming back. I don't know when Mike Williams is coming back. I watched both of these quarterbacks, um, all their throws from this week. I watched the last two games for Justin Fields. They are designing play. They are much different now. 
His air yards per completion, way down. A ton of wide receiver screens. A lot of really easy completions. They're trying to get him some yak. I don't really know if it's working because he's throwing for 140 yards over the last two games uh, per game. But but Herbert looked great. I mean, the interception wasn't his fault. He's still incredibly talented, but he's just lacking playmakers. So I'll just say I'd rather have Fields. Uh, his rushing floor is insane. Quarterback sucks this year, and I would not trade Justin Fields. I think you could be trading a league winner. If you trade him, it needs to be for an absolute star. I would trade Justin Herbert before I traded Justin Fields. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on I'm on the same camp as Adam as this one. I would be trading Herbert. I would keep keeping Fields. The Bears, this is a stat according to Rich Rebar. It was just so astounding. I wanted to bring it up. The Bears have scored on 53.1% of their drives over the last three weeks. That is an insane number. It's the highest rate in the league by far, obviously. You usually punt have to punt. You have a bunch of punts mixed in, but a big factor in that is what you said. These runs by field, some design, some not. Will some of that come down? Maybe as they face more zone-heavy teams, maybe. But at the same time, we've seen such a big shift in the philosophy on offense. This is what I wanted to touch on, why I like field so much. The Bears started last game with their first seven plays using pre-snap motion. And then on a vast majority of the plays, they use pre-snap motion. Sometimes multiple players in motion, a lot of shotgun motion. They're doing different things to kind of give what we like to call eye candy to the defense. Get the defense's eyes moving in one direction, then have the quarterback fields go in another and have kind of an easy completion for him. On the left, a little dump down. Like Adam was kind of saying, the average depth the tar- target has come down as well. But I think there's also an opportunity for him to explore more big plays moving forward in his fantasy profile because they came really close to hitting a big one with Chase Claypool this past week. If not for the pass interference on the defense on a really well-layered ball by him, great ball placement. That's probably a big play to Claypool. So for me, Fields right now, with the way this offense is cooking, with the schematic changes they've made to incorporate more of the design rollout game, get the quarterback on the move, give him an option to throw or run, it just makes him such a dynamic weapon for fantasy. And also, one final thing to note, on the touchdown run he had this week, the long touchdown run, I think he topped at 22.1 <laughs> miles per hour, wow. fastest speed of any quarterback, and he now owns the two fastest speeds of any quarterback. I feel like when he came out, based on how they used him in Ohio State, because it was kind of like the same way you know we've seen from all those Ryan Day offenses, the systems at Ohio State, it's mostly a passing system. It's mostly drop uh, shotgun, get the ball out. But I think people kind of didn't really give his athletic profile enough credit. And now we're starting to see that with those two runs, obviously topping out the most speed of any quarterback and and what everyone can see with their own eyes when he gets out on the move. The last thing I'll say about this is don't feel obligated to trade either of those guys. You've got two quarterbacks that the league wants. Um, You don't have to strengthen another team's quarterback situation. You could keep them, especially with the possibility that field struggles down the stretch and the possibility that Herbert gets hot down the stretch if his receivers come back. So I know it might, I mean, especially if you're six and three, as was the question here, maybe you're going to be seven and three. I'm not rushing to make a trade. You know, it's okay to have two great quarterbacks and kind of hoard them a little bit rather than strengthening a potential playoff opponent. All right. Uh, McGuire wants to know, I don't know if he's asking about bathing habits, but he just wrote Fournette washed. Is Leonard Fournette washed up? Is uh, Jacob, if you don't know, Adam has this weird thing where he thinks you're supposed to say washed up. I have heard, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, everybody's heard. Sure. Everybody's heard. I'm going to ridicule anyone who says wash. It's not the it's not the phrase. We don't <laughs> just drop words like that. Uh, did is, we wanna, Leonard Fournette, yeah, go ahead, Jacob. Did we want to throw out any uh, wide receiver trade targets for that guy? Oh, I mean, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sure you do it for St. Brown, Amari. right? Amon Ra for sure. Yeah. And then yep. I think um, Gabe Davis is interesting. He's got some explosive type of um, schematic matchups coming up. Um, and obviously he's coming off a rough week. And then I think Amari Cooper is somebody who's really interesting as well. Um, mm-hmm. With Deshaun coming back, just the underlying data for him has been really strong all year. And if the passing volume increases, he could be like a top 10 receiver uh, down yeah. the stretch and you can get him for cheaper than that. And if you want to take a chance on the Tampa Bay guys and go for it, the volume is there. Um, I have no idea if it's going to turn around. <laughs> I'm not doing it for Godwin. I I do it for Evans, but uh, I need to see something from Godwin first instead of these passes at the line of scrimmage, the freaking running back, which might be one of the reasons why Leonard Fournette hasn't gotten a lot of targets in the last few games. Uh, so is Leonard Fournette washed up? Is the question here, Dan? What do you think? I'll start by saying I wasn't too enthused by some of the advanced metrics and just some of the eye tests. You know, watching him independent of his. <laughs> you know, supporting cast last season when he was such a fantasy dynamo. I think a lot of his fantasy success came from being on the field almost every snap, getting almost every red zone touch, getting a ton of checkdowns from Tom Brady. 
being on an offense that has a healthy and really effective offensive line and being in an offense that scores points this year, we've lost almost all of that. He's coming off yeah. the field for Rashad white. He's not an auto guy around the red zone. He's not an auto guy on passing downs. The offensive line is injured and not performing well. The offense isn't scoring a lot of points. You lost everything there. So I just felt like he was a situation-based play to begin with. Now he's lost his situation, and all we have left is this 235-pound plotter who can't really, with no lateral, <laughs> zero lateral agility. I mean, he still has power. He still has a little bit of upfield burst when he gets vertical, but it's without an offensive line creating holes for him. That's not the profile at running back you want. So I, I just, that's my take on him. The situation is not what it was. He's not going to be a fantasy dynamo anymore. He is 22nd per game in non-PPR. Fournette is 11th per game in PPR, but the last three games have been particularly worrisome. Eight to nine mm-hmm. carries in each game. Right. Three catches, or three targets, three targets. Did have seven targets in week nine. That was good. Two, three, and five catches. A bit of an increased role for Rashad White. I don't think it's a fantasy-relevant one, but a bit of it. Like he, he took a little bit of third-down share from Fournette. That's you know getting not even, but it's not completely dominated by Fournette. I, I I do sort of feel like he's a buy low. People think he sucks. He might, but he still has a very valuable role. You know, it is role based, but he's much more likely to get a goal line touchdown than Rashad White. Um, he's still going to catch some passes. I, I would be looking to buy low on him, it, but no, but I wouldn't. You know, I, he was a second round pick. He's not going to be that good. But if people are so negative on Leonard Fournette. I still think there are some good games ahead, but that's just me. We need, we need more than like 12 touches. That'd be nice. Jacob, where do you stand on Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I think Dan hit it perfectly. Like Leonard Fournette, is he washed? I was asking myself that like three or four years ago, I feel like. <laughs> um, and like he's never been efficient. That's that's the thing is like you just kind of, we got accustomed to the fact that it didn't matter if he was washed or if he was good um, because for fantasy, he got everything he needed to be good for fantasy. And like, he has kind of lost that, like his target per run is a career low. He's actually, his efficiency as a receiver is like the best it's been in quite some time. Um, and then if you just look at his efficiency metrics compared to Rashad white, uh, he's averaged more yards before and after contact than Rashad white. He's avoided tackles at a higher rate. He has a higher explosive rush rate than Rashad white. Um, all that really surprised me. I think mostly what the problem is, is the offensive line and the team environment as a whole. I think all of those things are really weighing him down. Um, so again, if you think Tampa Bay is going to bounce back, then yeah, definitely these guys, Fournette, the receivers are, are for sure by lows. They are awful in the red zone, <laughs> awful on third down. Uh, Tampa Bay is 30th in red zone percentage. The only two teams have converted fewer of their red zone trips into touchdowns. The Broncos and the Colts. So I, I can tell you that, but I can't tell you that it's going to get a lot better. You know, that's the thing. Is it going to, is it going to get better? I, I don't know. It's a key, I guess, to their offense. Um, all right. So I, I think we all agree on what he is. The question yep. is like, can he still give you some good fantasy games enough to matter? I, I'd say yes. Obviously less conviction than, than I had, you know, a month ago. This is from Aldwin Parchment. What are the likelihood that the no questions asked players return to their status? Um, no questions asked. I'm, you know, some of these guys, I, doesn't matter what we call them, but I wouldn't say Connor was a no questions asked or Montgomery was, but he says James Connor, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery. Dan, what do you think the odds are that this group of six running backs or how many of them can get back to their status? I'm going to guess their draft status. Okay, let's take this one by one here, right? So let me start with Connor. Connor, I'm going to give a chance of him getting back to his draft status at 35%. Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to give a chance of his getting back to his draft status at 15%. (laughs) 15%. Wait, Fournette. <laughs> Fournette actually has a little bit more of a chance, I guess, if they if they def- if they phase out white from the offense and they start to score more. So I'll go 45%. Is that Aaron Jones as the yeah, last one? Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, I'm gonna go like 80%. Um, because I really felt like they were starting to funnel the offense through him in the last two weeks before this one where he got injured. And now we're learning that he's healthy enough 
that he might even play this week. He's supposed to play this week. So Aaron Jones, I'll give 80%. David Montgomery, he was a kind of a midder, middle round, fourth, fifth round pick. And Adam, you made a decent, I think you made a pretty strong case for him, and especially if that Bears offense continues to be as strong as we think. So I'm going to go 70% on him just because he didn't have the same kind of, uh, you know, draft status as the rest of these guys. Yeah, you didn't do ignored, Swift. Yeah, but just ignored oh, DeAndre Swift just like he was Dan Campbell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did ignore him like I was Dan Campbell. Um, Swift, I mean, he was expected. He was in that Javante Williams range, Saquon Barkley range uh, of drafts before this is past. So I'll go with him. Fifteen percent. I just don't see any way they phase Jamal Williams out of this offense, and and more importantly, I don't see any way they take Williams out of the red zone. That's what's really killing Swift. Oh yeah, the goal line specifically. Yeah. Um, okay. Montgomery, by the way, you said I made a case for Montgomery. I railed about how bad he is and how I'm so sick and tired of David Montgomery, but apparently the bears aren't. And that is a decent case for him. No, but your case, exactly. Right. That was what I was talking about. Your case was mostly the touches and the, and the snap share versus yeah. Herbert. So and if you're on a great offense and you're getting that kind of volume, I kind of like Montgomery. You'd think any disagreement there with, uh, with what he said, Jacob? No, I think he did a good job there. And like, yeah, it kind of is a case for Montgomery for fantasy. It's crazy that like it seemed like Herbert was really starting to eat into the split there. It was a 52-48 split between the two in favor of Montgomery in terms of running back rushes the two previous weeks. This week it was up to 67% for Montgomery. Um, And so like Herbert had been dominating and had been starting to take carries in a way that we hadn't really ever seen before. And I thought maybe that it was just going to be a more even split going forward, but like things definitely swung back in Montgomery's favor this week. 69% snap rate, 80% of the red zone snaps went to Montgomery. Um, they love him. I don't know. He's, he's the guy there. I think Aaron Jones is exciting. Like I, if you can buy low on him at this point, I would, he's got a really, he's got a lot of potential shootouts remaining, especially like the fantasy playoffs. The Rams is not a great matchup, but after that, it gets the dolphins and the Vikings. And those are, you know, games where he could explode. Um, James Conner, I mean, 72% snap rate, 66% round involvement. I thought he looked pretty good this week. Um, he was somebody who we saw really get like 80, 90% of the snaps early in the season. And I thought with how well, you know, Benjamin played that it might be more of an even split. But like right away, Conner came back and assumed pretty much in almost every down role. And it's possible that that could expand what we saw earlier in the season as he continues to you know show that he's healthy. I'm always going to be low on Conner. I think that they have a just... A terrible run game. Yeah. Um, I think he's like a poor man's version of Leonard Fournette, basically. And they are rated 32nd by PFF in run blocking. So PFF thinks they're the worst run blocking team in football. The only thing I wanted to see, and I don't know if you know this, I might actually have it right now. <clears throat> Third down split between the two of them, Benjamin and Connor. Uh, Connor, wow, 12 snaps to two. Yeah. So he's the third down. He, I mean, he, that is a great know. role, but I just, yeah. the team bothers me. They are a train wreck and awful at running the football. But that 70% of the snaps and the third down roll and the red zone work is huge for Connor. So I can't completely shut that down. We're do, and even with all that, we're, what are we like borderline top 20, like Jeff Wilson ish right. type of guy? Like, and I'd have to take him ahead of Wilson. Yeah. I think there's a lot more upside with Wilson, honestly. Without a Fournette injury? I mean, sorry, without a uh, Mostert injury? Yeah. I think it's possible that he could... I don't know if they necessarily wanted Mostert to play the role that he was playing. I think Chase Edmonds is just, like, really, really bad. Um, and then they got a guy who is familiar with the system, and I think it's possible that he could push into the role that Mostert was playing, and Mostert kind of takes the role that Edmonds was playing. And, like, if that happened, I think Wilson would definitely be more valuable than, than Connor. All right, our last question is uh, from Ballpark Fantasy, our last topic. TJ Hawkinson is the topic. Hawkinson had nine targets. He caught all of them. 70 yards at Washington. Washington, by the way, allowed the fewest fantasy points to tight ends going into the game. They even shut down TJ Hawkinson earlier in the year. He had three catches for 26 yards with the Lions, much better in his second game against the Commanders. But he is the first tight end to have more than 40 yards against Washington this year. That includes Evan Ingram. Hawkinson himself, Dallas Goddard, who left with an injury, Robert Tunyon. Anyway, great start for him. Interesting involvement. They ran at least two wide receivers or tight end screens to him, but he also was just abusing people, getting wide open over the middle of the field. It was a great debut for TJ Hawkinson. Um, He does have Buffalo and Dallas and New England next, and then the Jets, Uh, but... Like I said, Washington was number one against tight ends. So, uh, Jacob, what do you think of TJ Hawkinson going forward? 
I think he's really interesting. I think he definitely gets a boost from what we saw in Detroit. This is, I mean, playing alongside Justin Jefferson is a real, like, tangible boost that he gets. Like, has he ever played with someone who can stretch the field like this and open up the short intermediate area for him? No. Yeah, um, great point. He And he had a 91% snap rate, 86% route involvement rate. Like, those are really elite for the tight end position. He came in and got that right away. Um 23% target share, 17% for Adam Thielen. I would expect them to both kind of hover around 20%. Um, so, yeah, I, I I wouldn't necessarily overreact. I don't know if he's going to join the elite tier yet. His average depth of target was still only 5.6 yards, so it's going to be tough for him to be super efficient playing that type of a role. Um, but I think there should be lots of space for him over the middle in this offense. Um, and so I think it's definitely an upgrade from what we saw in Detroit. Dalton Schultz or TJ Hawkinson rest of season? Hawkinson. I'll take Schultz. Schultz for, <laughs> for you guys I, both. Schultz yeah. for me, but I do like Hawkinson a lot too. I really like the fact that the the main set you brought in there, Jacob, which was the route participation, eighty six percent in his first game. What does that tell me? It tells me that this offense was looking for him. They view him as the missing cog. They're going to get involved right away. It's somebody who can help move the chains and and have them be an offense that can you know attack all three levels, not just the intermediate and the deep half where you see Jefferson thrive, but. With that said, Jacob, part of the reason why I kind of argue Schultz or just not get too high myself on Hawkinson is the same reason why, you know, two Augusts ago, not this past one, but two Augusts ago when everyone was moving Hawkinson into that third, fourth, fifth round range, mm-hmm. or, but more like fourth, fifth round pre-draft range. People loved him. I argued against him because I felt like the talent wasn't there. I don't really see much burst post catch. I don't really see anything really at the catch point, body control, any kind of acceleration, any really traits to that make me think that he can be like a superstar in fantasy or somebody who can be a difference maker. Can he be a huge PPR guy like a Dalton Schultz type? Sure. But then I kind of trust Schultz a little more in that offense, especially without really anything, any, any Jefferson type to kind of hog more of the volume. So I guess that's where I'm at. I don't, I don't love the talent as much. All right, look, if the Cowboys get Odell Beckham, maybe that changes things. True, Um, true. But, you know, it's a lot to ask about Odell Beckham, too. All right, that's it for the topics. Last topic here, the fifth big topic. (laughs) I made an Aerosmith playlist for Dan Schneier because he doesn't think they're good. I think he's wrong. I know he loves classic rock, so people think that Aerosmith is just, you know, like a, I don't know, 90s rock band with a bunch of those those ballads that you heard in in middle school, but they're not. So uh, he listened to it twice, which I really appreciate, and I have no idea how he felt about it, so please don't break my heart. What did you think of of the playlist? So I'll start by saying I like that you refer to it as a playlist. Jamie famously now, infamously now, referred to it as a mixtape, just showing his no, age No, he didn't there. call Had it a mixtape. He called it a mixtape because he mixed couldn't tape, even pronounce right. it right. All right. <laughs> Either way, no one's talking mixtapes these days. Spotify playlist. I'll say this. Some things I like, some things I didn't. What I'll start with the things I didn't like because that's how I do things on this show, especially <laughs> when I'm talking to Adam. Uh what I didn't like is Adam put like four of the most famous songs ever on there. Like I thought I was getting a deep cut a, a type of playlist. There was only like 12 songs, I think, on the playlist. It was either 12 or 14 to begin with. And either four or five were like Dream On and like all the ones that I've already heard and that we've all heard. So I'll start by saying that as far as I'm going to rule those out, the songs I hadn't heard. So that's the, the next 10 of them. I'll give it to Adam. He's right. They are up my alley. There's good guitar. They're good classic rock. There's bluesy elements to them, which is what I really like. I love blues guitar. So I'll say this overall, it was a definite win from Adam. I'm still surprised he put like the dream ons of the world onto there. Like, I just don't understand that. Like I thought the whole idea was I've never heard of Aerosmith. Like, did he really, my question as my head, as I was listening through for a second time was, did Adam really think I've never heard dream on before? And it was, it wasn't just dream on. It was like every one of the most popular songs. So I'm still a little surprised by that. I was taken aback by it, but as far as the non-Dream On type songs, Adam nailed it. All right. That, that's great. <laughs> I was just trying to give you a more enjoyable playlist. I was putting, you know, some of their smash hits on there. And and honestly, the way you were talking about Aerosmith, saying <laughs> that My Morning Jacket is a better band, it made me think maybe he's never heard Dream On before. Maybe he's never heard better band. The, the riff on Walk This Way. Like, I don't know. That, yeah. So, well, look, I've. Walk This Way is a great song. I had heard it a million times, but it's still an amazing song and still one of their best ones. And that's right up my alley. So you, you nailed that part of it. But some of the more obscure ones that I hadn't heard, and I don't even know if they're considered obscure. And another thing I'll say that I like about your playlist, Adam, you did ver- you did give a lot of variety. It wasn't just one album. Like it wasn't like, oh, back then they had this one album that was like good rock. It was like, okay, there's like different songs from different albums. So there's good variety too. So yeah, you yeah, nailed it. I think we I got every decade in there too. Uh, yeah, a couple of the newer ones, which are which are not bad. Uh, Jacob, are you a Aerosmith fan, or do you listen to rock? 
I listened to a ton of rock growing up. I've kind of fallen out of it a little bit, um, but I'm curious about this playlist. Oh, I'll set it your way. It's just called Arrow. The, the only one who doesn't get it is Jamie, just based on how he talked about no, it. No, Jamie would hate it. Jamie, I, I, I cannot figure out Jamie's music. I don't know he what makes me as someone who doesn't listen. To I, music, yeah, so. I don't really know what music <laughs> yeah. means to Jamie. Like it's very music's huge for me. I don't think Jamie really yeah. likes music. I don't think it means much. anything to him. No. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our beyond the box score. Uh, thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Always fun. We'll talk to you with the uh, waiver wire tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.